Attention! Your podcast player's defenses have been compromised. In episode 1.1 of Unshuffled, we discuss the first Atomic Bitch Wax album. We are the new lords of your podcast app. Peace, hope, and love are very good things that we would like to encourage in our audience. But first, here's our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Hello, Scotty D. Hey. Welcome back to everybody. Hello, Matt. Have you got a double super buzz? I do. I'm ready. Uh, how you feeling? I'm good. This yeah. was uh, this was fun. Yeah, wasn't it? I I think we picked a we started off on the right foot. Yeah, we started strong. We started very strong. Uh, it's been a big couple of weeks of listening and a very joyful couple of weeks for me. I. I, I can say, yes, the minute that first track hit, yeah. and it was just, as I was listening, I was like, oh, okay, all right, mm. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. Now, just so our listeners are aware, this, the aim of this is not to be a couple of fanboys and just talk about how good things are all the time. We're going to do every album from the bands we choose. Maybe they won't all be good. But you can probably sense already that we're going to be pretty positive about this one because we chose well. We should probably recap what we're talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Unshuffled, everyone. (laughs) We're talking about the Atomic Bitchwax, and today we're going to be talking about their first album, Atomic Bitchwax 1, I guess. I think it's 1. I think that's what it's referred to as. Not self-titled, officially. So the album was released in 1999, just as a starting point. Yep. And I was, I was actually, as I was listening to it, I found myself, I, I can't, the, until we had this conversation two weeks ago, this band had completely escaped me. And I, I listened to Monster Magnet, but mm-hmm. I never, I had never heard of this band. Yeah. And I was trying to think, what was I doing in 1999 that I wasn't hearing them? <laughs> and and I, st- I still don't have a good, there's no reason that I wasn't listening to them. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those bands that I, I mean, I'd heard, I knew of Atomic Bitchwack. I knew I was supposed to have listened to them. I should have listened to them, of course. Um... But that's the great thing you, in life. You get, you know, with music, you can always go back and and uh, we got to hear it for the first time. And you know what a magical thing to be able to pick an album up that you know you should have listened to and to listen to it clean. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, before we dive in, before we dive in and pick the album apart a little bit. Listeners, I hope you've had a chance to listen to it too. If you haven't, maybe you should uh, just head off now. If you've never heard the album, press pause 
go and find it somewhere and have a listen. And you can always come back and listen to this podcast because I don't want our opinions to influence yours. It's probably worth noting that this album right now isn't terribly easy to find. But interestingly enough, the day, what was two weeks ago that we last Yep. Recorded, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, I believe the day after it was announced that they are re-releasing this first album. It has been re-released. It was re-released. Yeah, it, was re- it was re-released. That basically the day after we chose it. Right. Maybe that'll help them happen with the next one. Who knows? But yeah, it's possible to get the physical copy of it. You'll have to order it from the record label, TP. Uh, they've re-released it with a purple vinyl pressing. Um, I wish I could say I had mine in my hot little hands. Mine is currently in Sydney, Australia. It's just crossed the Pacific. It's going to my mother's house. Oh, wait a minute. So you're okay. So when did you order yours? Um, about a week ago, maybe. All right, a little more. So did I. Ago. I didn't. I didn't. I haven't yet received any notification that it was shipped. Oh, okay. So I just kind of assumed maybe it wasn't ready. It wasn't out yet. Oh. But yours has been shipped. Yeah, mine's in Sydney. Oh, all right. Yeah, my purple okay. vinyl, Where which I bought for you. I don't have a record player, but anyway, I'll, it'll be a good memento. <laughs> so we haven't been listening to it, the physical version. Um, we've had to source it from other places, but I feel okay with that. The physical version is en route. Yeah. Um, so let's talk how, how did you listen to it i listened to it primarily i had to listen initially just through my computer yep um which wasn't ideal mm. with because, headphones yeah yeah, yeah. initially yeah and so but my best listening is when i i can just be out walking around and moving and mm-hmm. and, and so later i was able to get that sorted out mm. but it was when um, oh, we were here when, when I when I was able to bring it home and play it through the Sonos. Yep. And really, I mean, we'll talk more about this later, but there were just a couple. The sounds of the drums and the bass just needed to be. Yep. Needed that. Yeah, it needs volume. This album. Yeah. Let's let's be clear about that. So, um, for me, as I foreshadowed, um, I got it onto my iPod Shuffle and clicked the unshuffle button and played it through my, not top of the range, just a pair of Sennheiser um, over the year headphones. But they have plenty of volume and uh, that's been my main listening. Actually, (laughs) when I first got uh, the digital files, my, my first thought was, what's the most 1999 way I could possibly listen to this album? So I listened on my Windows computer through a program called Winamp and actually loaded up the old vintage Winamp skin and <laughs> let it rip through Winamp, set my uh, EQ the way I liked it. Um, so yeah, I've had, I've had a few different places I've listened to it, but the main one would be on the way to work through the headphones and just getting lost in it it's been it's been brilliant 
Yeah, I wish I, I, I've since since I've been able to sort it out and get it mobile, I've been able to listen to it well, sort mm-hmm. of just out and about and walking around. And yep, diving in. Mm-hmm. So should we get to well the stats? Yeah, give us the well. We we were going to have a session a section called listener feedback. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you that we received one email from Google. The advising us how to complete our Gmail setup. I don't. I don't know if we can count Google as a fan. No. It's probably an automated thing. Um, we do have a unshuffled pod at Gmail, by the way, if you do want to contact us. And yes, we will read your email. Um, Twitter. We've got a few followers. If that counts as anything. Aren't they us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did notice on Twitter, though, a hashtag metal mindfulness, which I thought, um, you know, I sort of tried to tag along with that one for a while. Um, there's people out there that realise that, you know, something we're has been lost in the way we listen to albums. We're, we're, doing, a, we're doing a service here. Yeah, well, yeah. I think we are. We gotta, As I said... I, I, Revolution starts small, but you know, we'll see that. See where this one ends up. <clears throat> All right, hit us with the um, the detail, the album details, um, and then we'll start All right. well, picking it apart. As as mentioned, it was released in '99, um, produced by. For all intents and purposes, it looks like it was produced by the band by Atomic Atomic Bitch Wax. And then uh, Eric Rachel, who is, whether producing or mixed, um, is all over, I think, every album that follows, along with this one. It was recorded at Trax East Studios in South River, New Jersey. And the lineup for this album is Chris Kosnick on bass and vocals, Ed Mundell guitar and Keith Ackerman drummer mm-hmm. um, you, that New Jersey scene was very fertile at the time are you are there any other New Jersey bands that you're familiar with I mean you're you're more across the geography of the US than I am but I mean there's some bands that I've listened to from that area including some bands that contain people from this band yeah, well, so th- through this, I mean, I, I knew Monster Magnet, um, and then I found Black NASA. Yep. Which cosmic. is cosmic. Mm-hmm. Um, I started listening. I listened to Solace. Yeah. Uh, which is Ackerman. Yep. Um, I, I listened to a band, Nova Driver. I'm not sure if they were New Jersey though. Right. But I, I was steered sort of... Who's in them? In Nova Driver. I don't really know much about them, right. actually. But they, I was sort of steered in that direction through this band. Okay. Uh, and then and then I've noticed... Uh, yeah, no, so that's that's where I went with this. Okay, yep. But that, I mean, that New Jersey scene, there's a whole bunch of bands in from this genre. There's Solace, as you mentioned, Solarized... Who I'm not. Oh yeah, Solarized. Yeah, and there's some others too. That was um, Mundell. Mundell's Solarized. Solarized. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 
Um, and they, and it all harks back to Godspeed, um, right? Which was their, which was the original band for who? For uh, Kozniak. Okay. And Tommy Southard, who ended up in Solace. I don't know. It's all. It sounds very incestuous. Um, oh, Nova Driver's on Small Stone. Oh, there you go. Great album. Uh, great label. Great label. Hmm. They've got many good bands, including Seven Planets. They're from Detroit. Including Seven Planets, yes. yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so there was something good going on in New Jersey at that time. Must have been a fun place to be, turn of the century, New Jersey. Jersey Shore, they're all from the shore. Um, and that interview you posted, there's a, we, we have a link section. Yeah, show on, notes. On, Check on, the show notes, people. And uh, the link to the interview with Mundell mm-hmm. from, from 99, around the time this album came out. And he gives a really good sense of sort of what that scene, what, what that feels like and what that looks like around that, geographically around that area at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, they all... I also read, you know, interviews with Kosnick, who was saying, yeah, I'd sort of um, play some gigs and, we, and then I'd go back and paint houses for a month or two and then we'd go and record an album or play some more gigs. And so, they, I mean, they had day jobs as well, with the exception perhaps of Mundell. And I guess that's the big sort of spectre that um, um, so it, it is sort of lurking over this band and this album is the spectre of Monster Magnet who Mm. were breaking pretty big at the time Um, and and I guess you know that was Ed Mundell was increasingly sort of involved with them and they was touring a lot um, getting played on you know you know major label sort of stuff and big venues and big supports. So I guess that was um, the big band from that region or that area at the time. Um, and that sort of affected this band's output hmm. through the years. Mm. They also, in, in my research, they have their own definition at Urban Dictionary. Atomic Bitchwax, do Yeah, they do. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. Here's the definition. You've done research. Here's the definition for Atomic Bitchwax. A kick-ass metal band from New Jersey. Awesome riffs and great instrumentals. Here's my favorite part. Only half their songs have words. Ah. Is it, well, I want, it's certainly true of the first album. Yeah. I'm assuming it continues on. Okay. Well, didn't they say in that interview that you were actually, that you had posted, he said that they'll, they'll write the song and if Cosnick comes up with words, great. If not, they'll... Okay. Just release it as an instrumental. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's something, again, we can sort of talk about the, the sort of interplay between the, the songs with words and the instrumentals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll have a look at those. But, yeah, I mean, there's some great instrumentals. Um, and, you know, the words aren't important. Let's put it that way. I don't think... They're trying to break any great grounds. You know, they're not going to be in any high school uh, English essays anytime soon. The lyrics from this album. <laughs> no, they're not going to. 
Yeah, right. Um, but that's you know it's a fun band I think I think I think that's the overriding sense I get from this album is this is a good time album um, and they're not trying to do anything too serious they're not trying to make any great artistic statements other than just have fun and like enjoy enjoy life and enjoy music so we we've not yet gotten into any of the, the other albums and, and and we'll get there when we get there but Anything that I have read, a lot points to at least with a string of the records of this being sort of the the better of them, mm-hmm. and I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that this does seem it, it seems to have been treated as as a side project. Yep, there was no pressure to that it was ever supposed to be, from what I understand anyway, that it was never supposed to be anything more, and so that idea of it just sort of being fun. Yep. And I mean, they've been together since like 92. 92, yeah. So not only was it a side project, but it was, I mean, they'd been jamming for seven yeah. years. Right. And just getting together at someone's house and jamming it out. So, yeah. Um, and you could tell, you could tell how well, it, it almost feels like a live performance, this. Right. Um, and and a good one, you know. They, they're very... The, the, teamwork between these guys is, is really notable. I don't know how it was recorded but it does feel like that it, it wasn't recorded track by track. Like it was recorded with them all yep. there. Just jamming away. Together. Yeah. yeah. Okay, should we get uh, a little deeper? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to give your thoughts on the... Let me give you my thoughts on the Artwork. We don't have the liner, liner notes yet. Um, the liner notes are in Sydney, as you heard, <laughs> and I'm and we're in Jakarta in Indonesia. Um, the artwork features uh, an unclothed woman on the front cover. It's a very sort of seventies feel to it. Um, it's like something would be spray painted on the side of a van. Yeah, it's got there's sort of purples and. Um, was this Orion Landau? Was this, did he do this? Yep. This was his photo. This was his. Yeah, because yeah. he's done a lot of album artwork, you know, for some big metal bands throughout the two thousands. Um, but yeah, this like the album, the artwork has a very lo-fi feel to it. There's not, you know, it's just a photo of a naked woman. Um, okay, that's kind of hard rock, I suppose. But yeah, I guess it suits the you know maybe not politically correct, but it suits the it suits the vibe of the the album. It's a it's a fun album, and I guess it's a fun cover. Yeah, um, I do feel like I mean there there was a string of sort of this similar uh, style with their with their album covers that I don't know if they've held up so much if, if we look at it 20 years later but it, it, it was what it was and, and you can definitely tell the vibe that they were going for it's I believe I, I don't even actually know I'm not entirely sure how many of his albums they had uh, that he had done or I think Orion Landau had done at least because if you if you look at the similarities of the albums he 
of the album covers. He had done at least the first. Certainly Jesus, did the, the second first one. Three, yeah, but like the first. The, and then what was the one with the the pinball machine? No, well, yeah, that one. Pinball I, machines three. I was thinking the one with the woman in space. I think it's oh, Gravitron. Yeah. No, that's it's Force Field. Force Field. Okay. Um. So yeah, the first. All right, so maybe I don't know. Maybe that maybe it kind of drops off after the third, because mm. you get into box riff and it's definitely different. <clears throat> anyway, again, I, not much thought went into it. It's fine. It, it'll do. <laughs> like, which I guess is what they thought when they right. when they made the album. Right, right, right. Um, I think the girl was Landau's girlfriend. Is that right? Oh, that I don't that's know. That's the story I heard. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah, maybe that's wrong. I'm not sure. Um, all right, and then you press play first time. Oh, so yes. <laughs> and you're hit with stork theme. You are hit with stork theme. Well, the first thing you get before you get anything is you get the, space lasers. You get. Yeah, that sort of spacey sound. With the... <laughs> and it doesn't let up, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's it such just, a great intro. It just each, but and, and, and you get space lasers every like three or four songs. Mm. And you just get them shot in there out of nowhere, and you're like, yes. Yeah. I didn't know I needed space lasers right now, but that was exactly what needed to happen. Yeah, great start. Um, and that, I think, is Mundell, right? That's Mundell doing that stuff. Oh, the effects. Yeah. I, I assume, yes. Um, I read, I mean, I've done a lot, of, looked at a lot of interviews, and another one, I, I, I think he was a, he is like a gearhead, like he hmm. just loves his experimenting with his amps and seeing what sounds he can get out of it. Um, can of Coke there, good to hear. Um, Unless we get sponsorship. <laughs> yes. A can of unnamed beverage. Insert sponsor here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, that first song, as well as that laser sound, it's got cowbell. It, it does have <laughs> it's cowbell. It's got cowbell. <laughs> it does have cowbell. It's got um, that phase, phasing, is that what it's called? When you sort of, that sort of Jimi Hendrix... I think it's called phasing. Mm -hmm. it, again, it's that space down. Yeah, sound. they do a lot with like a flange too. Yeah, um, a very tuby sound. Like it's not crunching. You know, this is not Machine Head, which was a, our other option. And it doesn't let up. Yes. And so when 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 Mundell breaks into a guitar solo, Kosnick's like mm. fill in that space too with just these really cool bass runs. Yeah. And then and then everybody just kind of gives just a moment to breathe and let Ackerman get in there and do mm. his thing and it starts right from that song. Mm. Yeah, a great a great first song. It um and um right at the end you get the for the first time you get to hear a bass effect which I believe comes from a pedal called the Bass Balls, um, which reappears at various times throughout the album. The first time I heard it, I was like, hang on, what was that? Um, it's just for the last few notes of that first song. 
but it does appear again later and it's it's a great sound i love it um so what's that two or three minutes that song yeah um and yeah it's like it's got these so it's got a big like triplet uh and then it's just got space for the various band members to do their thing after that so they all have a go at filling the the space with some Ackerman fills which are great and some bassy bits it's just a it's a real showcase for the band to show how tight they are as a unit but also to give each of them some space to noodle about and, and show off their chops and then when it comes in I'm going to move into Birth yeah, to the Earth yeah, yeah, because that same where you're talking about where you've got that moment where you, you've got that second to show off their chops with Birth to the Earth they do the same thing yeah. it's that moment where everybody pulls back yep. and that's where Kosnick starts just belting it out <laughs> yes and it's I'm, I'm a huge fan of the singer who's not a singer mm. but is going to just go ahead and give it his all yeah and he certainly does that it takes a while for him to sing in that song. Yeah, it does. Halfway through the song, I was, well, maybe not halfway, but about a minute or a minute and a half into the song, I'm checking, hang on, is this an instrumental too? I thought maybe this whole album's instrumental. Right. I had the same. But he does sing eventually. Um, now, we're teachers, and I actually really like the sentiment of this song. If you've got a question, you should ask it. I think that's, we should get T-shirts made up with that on it or something like that. That's a good message. A bit about the bad breath or whatever. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) The rotting soul. But I think if you've got a message, if you've got a question, you should ask it. That's a a good motto in life. From the cradle to the casket. Um, So, yeah, fun lyrics. um, (laughs) Another fun song. Um, Anything more on that? No, it it was well. We get more. We get more into this later when we're talking about favorite, yeah. favorite songs. But mm-hmm. uh, I'll explain later. Are we going to name our favorite songs as they come up, or do you want to name them at the end? Well, I can tell you that this was. Well, I'll tell you this then. This is this is in the running for. As I'm going through each time I've listened to it, there's a song where it's just like, oh, hang on a sec, mm. and then I go back and listen to that song like three or four times. Yeah. And so that's I guess how I'm determining what my favorite song of this album is. Right. And this first couple listens, this is the one that I kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. Just there was, it was something about the, it was, there was the rawness of it, but there was the interplay with the bass, the drums, the, the vocals, the guitar, the, the whole thing. I just, this. And also just a killer riff. Like, just such a cool, cool <laughs> after the, song. But after he yells out birth to the earth, yep. then it, the, the really swing into that riff. It's brilliant. Yes. Um, next one. Okay, so you had started the show by talking about the lyrics and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and this one also has just a really cool sort of swing to it. Yep. Right. It it is a little bit. um, It's it's a different sound than the first two songs, but but it still fits, and it's it's. We're talking hey all right. Oh, sorry. Hey all right. Track three. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the lyrics were pretty cringeworthy yeah I guess they kind of lost me with the lyrics here I mean it, it is I, a fun album hmm I guess there are limits right I can't imagine and they, I think they still play this 
I just can't imagine, and I'm hoping to see them, but I just can't imagine being at the gig and like singing, like singing along with this and with a straight face, like it's. But the drum breaks in this song it, are and so the, well, good. And again, the intro, right? Yeah. yeah Space yeah. laces. <laughs> and this is this this song. I think this song really also shows, uh, like Ackerman just has sort of this, this frantic style. Mm. And it's not, it's not technical, no. but it's it's definitely frenetic. It's in your face. It's it's and, it, and this song really, I think, showcases that. Yeah. This is this is one of the songs where his his drumming just kind of makes me smile. Yeah, I think, and again, we'll talk more about the role of each band member. But um, three piece, there's no room. There's nowhere to hide in a three piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drummer is just so important because you just don't have you, you don't have a rhythm guitarist to fill the space so someone's got to do it and it's not always going to be the lead guitarist it's not always going to be the bass player the drummer has to step up and he's got a very busy style he's always doing something he uh the quote from Mundell in, in that 99 interview was, uh, he's all over the place, and that really fills it up. So, and yes, that's very true. Um, really catchy song. Mm-hmm. It is. Like short and sweet, like a, a good radio song. Not that I, I was, you, got. you could see this being the single. Yeah, that would have, well, except for those damn lyrics. Right, except for the, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. Lyrics aside, a, a really good song. Um, but let's move on. Uh, crazed, is it crazed? Crazed. Fandango. Crazed Fandango. So this is a cover, the first cover of the album. Uh, first of two, right? First of two for this album. Um, and this is a cover of. Ed Mundell, one of Ed Mundell's favorite guitarists and biggest influences, Tommy Bolin. Is that how you say it? I don't yep. know. Tommy, Tommy Bolin. Bolin. It's yeah, from Tommy, Bolin. Tommy Bolin's 1975 album Teaser. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, I'd never heard of or listened to Tommy Bolin before. This I, I have now. He, he's an Iowa boy. Oh. Put that out there. He's, All right. He's a local boy. Okay. Him and Slipknot. Him and Slipknot. That's all we got. <laughs> I'm sure there's others. Um, but yeah, uh, clearly a talent. Died young, but um, achieved a lot. Well, died at 25, I think. Yeah. Um, but Mundell worships Tommy Bolin. What are your thoughts on the song? The song fits. They, yeah. the, their interpretation. So I've listened to um, Tommy Bolin's version of the song, yep. which I had never heard. It's got that cool shuffling it does. Latin feel to it. Well, Tommy Bolin went into this that was never, I guess he, I think he died shortly after this album, actually. I think Tommy Bolin died within, the, within that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of had this sort of jazz thing that he was sort of going into. And and 
craze his version of craze fandango sort of takes this towards the end of the song starts to feel kind of overly produced right whereas theirs always just sort of keeps that same kind of raw lo-fi lo-fi sound that they've yep. and, and, and it i i didn't initially realize that it was a cover okay like, well, that so, says something. So, right, when we get to track seven, yep. that, that obviously, obviously is a song that's not theirs. Yeah. This one didn't, it didn't feel like that. This right. one actually just sort of fit right in. Okay. I mean, it's good fun. I like the track. Having said that, it's probably the one that I, if I was to pick one to play, it would probably be the one I would be least likely to just say, I want to hear that song. Right. Um, it, it didn't really grab me, but... Yeah, I'm happy to listen to it. Um, anything else on that one? Nope. All right. So then we've got Hope You Die. Another one of the songs that I think I've put into the running is... This is one of the songs that I kind of kept coming back to. Yeah, this is great. And this is one that they still play... I posted a video of them performing it, I believe, in 2016. Uh, it was uh, 2012, I think. Oh, was it 12? All right, I it think was 2012. Was that the one at the Tote? Yeah. In Australia? Yep. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My old was, stomping ground. And, and what I'm curious about, though, is because in the video that I performed, it's, it's Kosnick and Finn Ryan, who's going to take over for Mundell later. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Mm. Um, and so it's got them trading vocals and I can't, but I can't tell if that's happening in the recording. And you can barely tell it's happening in the live performance. They well, sound it's, very similar. It's either, it's two voices. I think it's just Cosmic layered. In this version. In, in right. the album version. In the album version. Yeah. Yes. And I then, think it's him singing over the top of himself. Got it. Okay. That that's kind of what I assumed. I was actually surprised when I saw the live version that it was him and Finn yeah. Ryan trading. Yeah, I guess they want to get that same feel live. Right. Um, I've just written all of my notes to say bass wow for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this sees and cool space sounds again. We get yeah, it. and the reemergence of the baseballs. Yes. Um, so. And yeah, this so this this track has a bit more space to it. Some some uh, quiet bits where it's just cosmic yelling, basically, or in a tune, mm-hmm. well, you know tuneful way. Um, and then so some really good sort of quiet bit, loud rocking verses, and yeah, just a great great song, great live song too, as we as you see in that video. Um, Next track is... Next track. Ain't Nobody Gonna Hang Me in My Home. Yeah, now this, surprisingly, to me, anyway, oh, what are your thoughts on it? I'm gonna let you go first on this one. This is one that just about every gig, like, I go to Setlist FM, and, um, it, you know, it's a great, great resource just to see what bands are playing. They play this every, t- every time. Um... I get it. I I get why they would play they it. They play time. it, I, I assume, because it's fun to play, right? Right. Right. I don't. I personally don't have much to say about it. Yep. But I get why they would play it. Yeah. 
because it's not certainly not my favorite instrumental no on the album but and we'll talk about my favorite one later and i can and i can completely understand why they don't play my favorite and i'll explain that when we get to it it's a fun song and it it's one that they could play without too much thought i think live and so yeah it's not they get through the first couple of big songs of their gig and then all right we can just churn this one out Right. It's fun, everyone's going to like it, and then we can read it. And it's, it's what? How long is it? It's short. Because uh, it's not, I mean, it's two, not... 255. 255. It's not formula. Yes. The last track, which we'll get to in a second. But, yep. I mean, that one you're, you're kind of committed to. Yeah, so this is, I think, a chance for them to catch some breath at their gig. And I imagine after this, they would probably talk to the crowd a bit, and then, all right, let's play... A song of our latest album, or right? Yeah. So this is a, it's a look. It, it does its job. I'm, I've got no problem with it, but it's not a memorable one for me. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. This is the one that, when listening to it, it's it's a cover. Uh, All right. Go ahead. We spoke about this song, and it, I've been looking forward to this moment, which is why I jumped in. We both know that this sounds like something. Yes. But we haven't discussed no, what it sounds like. No, we have like. not. So, I'm going to count down three, two, one. So, uh, you think it sounds like a song? A particular song or just a band? I said a band, but it, but in, uh, yeah, a band. All right, so, <laughs> all right, we'll go three, two, one, and then we'll both say the band, and we'll right. see if we say the same band. Three, two, one, Jane's Addiction. James Addiction. No, she, sorry, I Nirvana. It was I meant to say Bleach Air Nirvana. <laughs> Should we do that That's again? That's not a band. Let's do, let, Nirvana. Well, but Nirvana during, is a band. During their Bleach Three, Era. Two, two, one. Nirvana. Bleach Era. No. no. <laughs> James, James Addiction. I heard James Addiction, okay. especially in the vocals. I. I just heard him. I expect and the mountain song. I, I you could yeah. throw in coming down the mountain. Yeah, no, fair enough. I didn't. I did. That didn't. But now, I mean, now that you mention it, but no, that didn't. I didn't register it. To me, it sounded like something that could have been. It, it's a cool song. Yeah, it's definitely a cool song. But it sounded like something that could have also easily very, which makes mm. it sound like I'm suggesting, but like could have fit on the the Bleach album. Yeah. Um. You like the Bleach album? I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do like the Bleach album. Okay. I like Jane's Addiction. Okay. I like uh, the song. Yeah, I really... I don't know core. No. Um, did you listen to the original? There's yes. A link, there's a link to the original on the show notes. I did listen to the original. I so, like this version better. I do too. It's... Mundell mm. was in core. Mm. Correct? Mm. Don't know. I think... Was he? Oh, wait, or was Finn... No, Ben Ryan was in core. Finn Ryan's in core. Yes, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. Right, it was Mundell's replacement that's in core. Never mind. Yes. Yeah, you had me confused there for a moment. Sorry. Um, I like this version. I... This was actually... All right, so this... provoked a question for me. My question is this. Is this album Stoner Rock? 
because that's what we assumed when we chose it. Right. To me, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's not an easy thing to define. I think this is something different. All right. I think this whole and and maybe we should save that discussion for the end. Maybe we can come back to that. Okay. But this song, I think, is a stoner rock song. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying, and it sounds so differently from the rest it of the album. It definitely stands out as a different sounding song, and to me, this is the stoner rock song on a non-stoner rock album. And I'll explain perhaps what I think, what genre. Would, okay. I think it is when we're sort of summarising at the end. Why is this stoner rock song? Because it's got, it, it's repetitive. In a good way, like it's got a hook and it doesn't have much else but it's such a good hook that that's fine right um i love the lyrics that and i definitely hear perry farrell in the lyrics and i know that they he was a big thing around the time and monster magnet or one of them supported jane's addiction when they came to town and that was like the first time they played at a big venue so maybe there's an influence there. I like the lyrics as opposed to the lyrics on the rest of the album because it's, you know, it's a bit more meaningful. Right. Keeping in mind somebody else wrote them. Yeah. Well, that's what right. I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I really like this song, and it was certainly a contender for my favourite song off the album, um, and it means that. You know, I'm kind of not as anxious about knowing that the guy that wrote this song takes over uh, from Mundell down the track. It, you know, I'm not as anxious about that as I might have been had yeah. I heard this album and thought, oh no, they're not going to stay together. Well, because the band that we're going to be listening to at the end of all of this is pretty dissimilar from the band that we're talking Absolutely. about right the band that we're excited about right now yeah that's and that's a bit of a worry yeah mm. but it'll be interesting and i think it'll make for an interesting next few episodes as we watch the band members come and go and right um <laughs> i hope it makes it interesting <laughs> well <laughs> we, interesting for us we got seven of you we don't yeah. want to lose you yeah yeah stick with us yeah. uh, we could name them by no we won't um, but yeah, great song. Loved it. Yeah. Not theirs. And I kind of admire the fact... Apparently, Core covered a bitch whack song and they kind of returned the favour and it's part of that whole... It, it fits in with that... as a, That word I said, incestuous. That, that incestuous vibe. That they're all part of the same scene, playing each other's songs, going to each other's gigs and jamming, you know together or in the basements next to each other that you know so great song loved it Lo and loved it from the first listen hmm yeah no same hmm next track is getting old yep I love this song right absolutely love this song I don't love getting old I would not <laughs> <laughs> um but how are your knees holding up by the way I'm on I'm bone on bone in my left knee today. Speaking um, of getting old. Knees are all right. It's my shoulder that's oh, killing me. 
Uh, the rheumatism? We, we need a spinoff podcast. Yeah, getting old. <laughs> old old parents of young kids. Yeah. Um, this one starts off with a, another one with a long instrumental solo. It's got this really cool sort of flanged out bass riff happening. Yeah, now this, I've just written pure geezer. In the I, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Geezer Butler. Yeah, and, the, and it was Electric Funeral was the song. And it, you know, um, one of the things, one of the many things I like about the band is that Four. Sabbath are their dominant influence. I love Black Sabbath and I, I completely understand why bands have been influenced by them and so many. I remember last week when every band we were thinking of were influenced by Black Sabbath. Um, but yeah, this is, this is what the first time on the album I thought, this is really Sabbath-y and that, that's okay. Yeah, it, the, again, the drums, mm. the drums, the bass, the guitar, the sound, the whole thing. Mm. I, uh, it's, yeah. a slow, it's the slowest song? It is. It's, it starts off this with... this point? Yes, it absolutely is. And it kind of, it starts off with sort of this sludgy, but it picks up. Mm. Yes, and it does. It, and it, it picks up exactly when it needs to pick up. Yeah. Um, so you love this one. It's, is it your favorite? If we're talking about that, then yes. This is your favorite? This is. Okay. It was the one that I think, we, in fact, we talked about this. There's words. There are words. It was the hardest one to get into. Yeah. Because coming off of Kiss the Sun, mm-hmm. it, it sounded like it was just going to be sort of that throwaway track. Yeah. And then it was after, you know, after three or four listens to the album, where it was just like, no, 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 no. I, I, that that buildup, that slow sort of like sludgy buildup yeah. w- was so worth it when they got to the, when they yeah. finally just like kicked it off and jumped into it. And yeah. it was so. And that's been the beauty of just listening to one album for the last fortnight. Mm. It's, <laughs> the songs you like when you first listen and not the songs you, you know, uh, everyone should do it. And this one, join us, people. When when on this journey, it, this was decided when I listened to it on the Sonos. Okay. When I had it on the surround sound Sonos speakers, that mm-hmm. was that was when it was it was sort of clicked for me. All right. The lyrics are kind of throwaways. Something I, about feeling cold. And I don't even. There are lyrics there somewhere. Yeah, I, I I know there's singing. It feels like there's a melody in there. I did not. I have no. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what they are. Okay. They're just, they're just there. Uh, next, um, we paid homage to this in the fur in our intro today. Last of the V8 interceptors, uh, another instrumental, um, or cool space sounds. More cool space sounds. This uh, is my favorite song title. Like, I don't like the title. I like the title. I don't like the title because it doesn't match the sci-fi vibe. Like it's a Mad Max title, right? But it's aliens and I like it. I, I taking was, over the like. Yeah. I thought it should have had a sci-fi title. Like, but anyway, I, I don't care about. The title. I, I like the the idea that the the V eight interceptors sort of that mixing of kind of the the car. Sort of the whole the whole cars and the girls with the science fiction, right? 
And so I, I guess that's where I saw it. I guess if, kind of Mad, if aliens had attacked Mad Max's world, we might have had a whole a much more interesting series of films. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, this is my favorite. This is my favorite song on the album. Okay, I can see that. Um, it doesn't surprise me, actually. Why? Because I felt myself, and I got it, we mentioned it early, but I felt myself craving some space in the songs at times. Mm -hmm. There's such a busy band, all three members, that there were times when I thought, I wish they'd perhaps just pull it back a bit, and I got it on this song. Mm -hmm. Um... This is Mundell noodling and experimenting in a really nice way. I, there's some effects on this that reminded me of Jimi Hendrix, the way um, some of the effects he used on, and I've linked to um, the Merman song on Electric Ladyland, the feedback effects he gets. I think it, he used a headphone for that headphone and, a, and an app. Um, I love the experimentation. Um, now, and, and I also just, it, it turns into a really, the, the last minute or two is, it turns into this really galloping, quite metal almost, um, uh, riff towards the end. And, and I must say, it's the first time I thought Mundell started to or first in the solo towards the end of the song was the first time i thought yeah that's iomi because it, it doesn't seem to be a big influence for him mm-hmm. but there was an iomi vibe in that galloping finale and and the solo he lays over the top of it now they don't play this live and the reason i'm sure and i want to get your thoughts on this and where you stand a three-piece where the guitarist layers himself he plays a rhythm section and then layers his solo over the top is that cheating no 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 no. i don't think so because you you can do it with you can do it with loops you can do it with pedals you can do it with you don't need uh you could do it without having to bring your but they can't Your do MacBook live, up right? on stage. I think part of the reason they don't do this live is because he's not in the band anymore. Yeah, I like guess this, this feels like such a Mundell song. Yeah, yeah, that, maybe that's it. That this probably went with him. Mm. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe we can uh, do a statistical analysis of their set lists pre and post Mundell. Well, if if Atomic Bitchwax wants to write <laughs> in, our uh, email is. I'll get my grade twelve <laughs> math class onto it. Right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, if you are right, with a three piece, this is going to be a complicated song to play live. Yep. Um, but having said that, I love it. It's my favorite song on the album. I could listen to it twenty times in a row and not get sick of it. Hmm. And yeah, it's that sci-fi. Like the, it even finishes with what sounds like a spaceship sort of taking off into the into the atmosphere um, which then brings us into our next track ah uh, shit kicker yes 
So first off, first, pass I want to know. Pass me the sandwich bag. I want to know how huffing aeroplane glue in a sandwich bag is not the title of this album. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a funny sample, <laughs> it, and and a fun song. Um, this I'm torn between. This is one of the the two songs that I think I probably am more inclined to pass over, which is again interesting because this is being played at pretty much every gig I've checked in the last. I don't know, you know, I just keep again scrolling through set list and right. just picking gigs at random, and it's always there. So, and it's generally the second last song they play at a gig. So, the last time you said that was for track six. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody gonna hang me in my home. Yep, they always play that early in the gig, and they always play this one late in the gig. These are the two songs that were in my running for. Least favorite songs okay. that I I, I I pass over. Throwaways. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if it's throwaway. I mean, I get. I again, I get why they play it, but. Yeah. Um. It's a fun song. It'd be fun live. Right. But it's. De- I mean, it's definitely this. This also kind of just falls back. This is just. Uh, yeah, maybe this one is a throwaway. I guess by this, by the sort of twelfth or thirteenth song of the gig, you want something. You're getting pretty tired. You want something that's it's an easy riff. Yeah, this um, isn't asking too much of anybody. Yeah, and then you can set yourself up for the big finale to your gig. I suppose. Yeah. Do they play Formula moving into the next song? Do they play it live? Yeah. No. No. Never. I didn't think so. Yeah. That might be a Mundell song too, though. Yeah, it's got it's got his fingerprints on it. Uh, all right, so formula. Formula. Ten minutes, twenty-two seconds. I I feel like I, I. They had to have a long song. They had to. I feel like this is, this is them. At I imagine that if you were to show up to an Atomic Bitchwax rehearsal, this is how about most of it's gonna go. Oh, yep. there's that sponsor again. Yeah, insert sponsor name here. <laughs> um, like, I, I imagine this is just, this is what they do. This is them at what they do. This is them jamming. Um, this is probably the one I've listened to least, maybe because it's the longest. Um, you like it? I do like it. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's it's nice that it's at the end. So if you need to go ahead and just stop it and walk away, <laughs> you're not missing anything. Yeah. No, I, I, I do... I don't know. Now that we've come to talk about it, I can't remember much about it other than thinking how much I liked it when I listened to it. Yeah. But that's one of the difficult things about instrumentals, right? It's always when you're away from them, because you don't have a lyric to pull you back into the song, it can be tricky to... The one thing I didn't do, which I wish I had done, was just isolated the instrumentals and listened to those back-to-back. Yeah. But I guess that was against the nature of what we're doing here. I was, uh, but I was, I was kind of... I, I wish I had done that, mm-hmm. just to kind of distinguish a little bit about what they were trying to do with each 
mm. each instrumental. Because mm -hmm. they are different. Yeah, they're very different. Um, I, I love the flow of the album. Um, those first three songs are so strong that mm. you, by that stage, you, you know, you just put it in, press play, you've heard the first three songs, no one will ever change your mind on this album. This is a great album, you, and, you, and no one will ever convince you otherwise after that first listen. Um, the instrumentals, I think, are well-placed. Um, yeah, and Formula, I think, works as a last track. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, it's the one that, okay, Start when, you're, when you're ready for it, here it is. Start to finish. I mean, they, to be fair, they give you bathroom breaks, right? I mean, start to finish. First three tracks, as you're saying, strong. Mm. Track four. Monday's right, there's, there's a moment to, yeah, you can kind of get up, go mm -hmm. get something done if you need to. Yep. Come back for Hope You Die. Yep. And then uh, track six, if you, maybe, no you didn't, maybe you didn't finish. Mm -hmm. You got to come back <laughs> up and finish that thing you did. Um, and then... And then get comfortable and mm -hmm. settle in, and and yeah. if halfway through formula you you got things to do, then yeah. But then there's that night where you're ready for it, and it's there. Right, right. Hmm. It's there for you when you want it. Um. All right, that's it. That's the track by track breakdown. Yes. Um. Let's talk. Um, do we want to go into the band Brownlow? Let's do it. All right. So, for non-Australian listeners, the Brownlow is an is a is an award given in Australian rules football. Which, um, if you're not familiar with it, shame on you. It's the greatest code of football in the world. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Um, obviously I haven't seen it. <clears throat> um, after every game, the umpires award three votes to the best player on the ground, two votes to the second best player on the ground, and one vote to the third best player on the ground. At the end of the season, they tally the votes. Whoever has the most votes is awarded the Brownlow medal for the best player of the season. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got your 3-2-1. I do. Three for the best. Two for the, yeah, you get the idea. I've got my through two one. What we don't know yet, and this is where the suspense comes in, listener. Are we going to aggregate these, or are we going to have our own individual band Brownlow across? Hmm. See. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We should definitely once we once we get a few of these under our belt, we should aggregate these. All right. Let's let's aggregate, and. Um, all right, well, I'll put a spreadsheet together. Don't worry, listeners, you can follow this through the show notes. We, we need a name for this, though, right? We're not going to call it It's not going to be the band Brownlow. We need no, a better name. We do. Right now, I'm calling it Maddie's Meal Ticket. <laughs> Download sprung to mind, but uh, anyway, we'll, we'll come up with a better name. But for now, let's just give the votes. Let's do it. Um, Tell me your three vote. Who, who's your best on ground? Who's your best performer on the album? Oh, do we just start with number one? We don't even like build up to it. Oh, you want to build up? All right, yeah, that's uh, probably a good way to do it. Do, give me your 
Well, in this, unfortunately, I, in there's the three only three piece. That's true. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and start with my number one for this one. For for me, it was Keith Ackerman. Your three vote, your best on ground. That your was best performance. My best performance was Keith Ackerman, who the, was the the drummer. Yes. The drums throughout this album, through and through, I just I would be listening and just have to stop and and, and just smile and enjoy it again. Yeah. Not not technical. No, but definitely. Definitely frenetic, definitely driving it, definitely. I just, the, it's, it wasn't him initially. It, initially, my. I, I was sure you were going to give it to the bass player. And it was. It was Chris Kosnick. In, the, in fact, when I first heard this album, that was all I was paying attention to was his bass. Yep. Bass is so good and it's so cool. Yep. But it was just, after each listen, it was, I found myself just being drawn to, to Ackerman. It was just mm. the drums. He certainly fills it up. He did. So my number. Part of that. I think is the splashy nature of the cymbals. I'm a, I often pay attention to the cymbals of a drummer. Okay. Um, and yeah, he doesn't use the tight hi-hat too often. It no, tends to be, he does not. Which helps fill out, I mean, you need right. to, you, as we said, you need to thrill it, fill it out in a three-piece. That drummer needs to not leave too many gaps. So my one, two, three, my top, my three points yep. goes to Ackerman. Yep. My two to Kosnick, mm -hmm. and then my one to Mundell. Ah, see, this is going to create problems from the start with Bradlow. Because <laughs> my three goes to Mundell. I figured. Mm. Um, I love what he does. I, I love his devotion to retro tube, um, tube hamps. Like, just, it's... Um, I, to me, he's the he's the driving force in this album, and my favorite tracks stand out as favorites because of what he's doing. You know, um, his solos are not uh, are just fun without you know he's not busting out into anything. You know, he's not uh, Steve Vai sort of silliness, but he's showing enough. To, to show his skills and his talents, um, but really it's just his his riffs, you know, um, <laughs> and his commitment to that sort of old school vibe, which I think, to me, when I think of this album, um, it's that retro 60s, 70s vibe that um, will stay with me, I think, and, and to me that what gives it that I think is Mundell's sound and and what he does uh, two votes to me I, um, I don't I can't give two votes to a pedal the baseballs right <laughs> so I guess I'll give them to Kosnick I think you could though I think we totally could I think you could put, ba -do -ba -do. <laughs> I think you totally could have put baseballs as number two <laughs> I love that pedal I wish you'd buy one I'm going to buy a bass just so I can have that pedal. Um, and yeah, I love the, dr the, the runs on the bass mm -hmm. throughout the solos. And Ackerman, man, how can I give him only one vote? It's a sterling performance. To be honest, I could have easily given it to any of them. And, and to me, what stands out about this band, certainly on this album, is that they are a team and they're, they're a tight team. Um, they share the limelight between them right from the first track. 
Um, and all that time jamming together really shines through on this album. They, they, know, they know what each other's going to do and they know what they need to do while they're doing it. Yeah. So now with that said, have you listened to number two at all yet? I have not. No, I haven't listened to number two. I haven't either. No, not a song. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I didn't know if you had, if you had started to kind of. No, no. I've, I've been curious. I've done some side listening, but um, to other bands, but no, I'm I'm determined to experience the same thing because I think track albums one and two are the only ones with the of, classic lineup. Well, and also that just comes hot on the heels of the other. Right. Like as we start to get into the other albums. Which is a concern if they've been jamming these songs for seven years and then all of a sudden they have to release another album. Right. Straight away. So perhaps these are still, you know, maybe they had 20 songs in their pocket. I'm sure they would. Seven years of jamming. You've right. got more than You've got, yeah. 11 songs. And so uh, I'll be curious to see if these two albums are just sort of interchangeable. Yep. Me too. Um I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, as am I. Um, I mean, but I mean, one thing to me, uh, looking at the set lists, like you know, almost half of the gigs they're playing these days are songs from the album we've just been <laughs> talking about. So, That's does that mean the quality drops off, or is it just that this album's so good? Or I mean, right, I hope. I, you know, I'm reluctant to let this album go. In a way, I'm mm. scared of what's next. Is it? Can it? Can anything live up to this? We'll find out. We'll find out. Ah, we will find out, and you will find out too, listener. Listeners. I've I've narrowed them down to one. <laughs> <laughs> we just kept the one guy. Have you got any predictions about the next album? So you think it's just going to be more of the same? I don't, actually. I don't think it's going to be as good. Mm. Um, I think it'll be more of the same. It'll be less... Uh, same, but not quite. Uh, right. Same-ish. Yeah. Um, I have no reason... No reason to to think why. Yeah. I just... I don't, I don't know. Okay. I'm. I'm kind of... I guess the next couple albums, I'm curious to where they're going to go. I'm, I can't wait for number two. Even if it's 85% of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But I'm curious to know kind of how all of this is, is going to play out. Just to get that feeling of putting in an album and pressing play for the first time. This is going to be our jam for the next couple yeah. of weeks. I'm definitely going to... Fir- the first track on... Uh, Album two is called Ice Pick Freak. Ooh. Now, mm. And I'm, I'm... Now, remind me, I think, how's Freak spelt in that term? It's F-R-E-K. Ah, yeah, of course. Right. Must have... They're, uh, maybe they didn't have spell checkers uh, back in 2001. I'm assuming it's an instrumental. I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to start it off with an instrumental. Surely. Um... Yeah, I can't, can't wait. Can't wait for number two. Um, Are we including EPs in this? I don't want to. Okay. I think we can perhaps give it a listen. I don't want to do a full episode. But we don't need to. Right, right, right. Okay, so we would jump Spit Blood yeah. into three. 
yeah, maybe okay. have, a, have a little listen and yeah, yeah, we can have a quick chat about it. Fair enough. We don't need to write it off completely. Um, now, what else? Um, if you don't have the album yet, go to TP and get the either the purple vinyl or the CD. That it's a, a special release, and I, I honestly think this has a, this album we've just been discussing has a special place in music history, um, and I think you should own it and own a physical copy oh absolutely um and if you can get it on vinyl then and, and the vinyl happens to be purple then all the better so get that i don't think we're going to have the same luxury with number two i've i've had a lot of trouble chasing it down i don't it hasn't been re-released no it hasn't been re-released which is which why is, i think that's another thing that's no, let's not. Again, it was a 20th anniversary re-release. I'm, I'm not going to hold that against the, it. The two were just released within weeks of each other. <laughs> I've, I have got a copy being sent to uh, my wife's sister in the UK who's flying here to see us. Of the second one? Of the second one. Uh, but I've had to resort to eBay for that one. Oh. Um, and there's a chance that she doesn't want to come because everyone's freaking out about airplane travel at the moment so maybe I'll just ring her and see what she thinks of the album. <laughs> have her play it over the phone for you yeah. um, alright um, but look in the absence of a physical copy we'll just chase down we'll chase down the uh, uh, the tracks by whatever means we can um, it, they get easier to get later on uh, mm. I've got a big batch coming with four and the later ones all, all headed my way. Assuming Indonesian customs are, are happy to let them are through. Give it back to you. They've got a new one coming out too. I, it might be released by the time we get to it. Maybe, yeah. We could do it I feel like hot I heard, off the presses. I feel like they have a new one coming out in 2020. Okay, and they're gigging like crazy at the moment. I don't know what incarnation of the band it is, but they are... They played last night in Philadelphia. They're playing in. They're playing in Iowa City, my yep. old stomping grounds at yeah. Wildwoods in yeah. five days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, most of the songs, you know, you're going to get like 50% of them. If you catch them at a gig, 50% is going to be from this first album. So mm. I really want to see them. They're, they're playing in Munich. I'm going to be in Europe uh, in, in summer, so I might be able to sneak up to Germany and see them play with Fu Manchu. And, Oh, a couple of other bands, which would be just brilliant. So they're still gigging, which is one of the nice things about this band. We can still go see them if we get the chance. Right, mm. right. Um, I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too, listener. Thank you all very much for... I said it again. Listen. Oh, thank you, sir, for <laughs> listening. Uh, it's been fun. And uh, join us again in uh, well, about two weeks' time Great. for Atomic Bitch Wax 2. We'll do this again and we'll see, see if you can change it. Get onto eBay, get yourself a copy and experience the thrill of... Join us and write in. And write in, yeah. Unshuffled Pod. Guy. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> Send us a message. You can get us on Twitter. We get, you can get us so in so many different ways. So we look forward to reading your... Uh, your input and your feedback on either the first album, the second one, or just your experience as a whole. 
uh, as you join us on this journey into music intentionality. Join the Unshuffled Revolution. All right, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right, thanks. Thanks.